Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Um, James McSorley here, joined as always by Mark. How's it going? Good, man. How are you holding up in our most hectic week in the history of the podcast? Yeah, it's been pretty mad. People won't know this because these are going to go out like a month at a time, but we've recorded four podcasts in the last week and this feels almost like work. But it, it absolutely isn't. released the transfer tracker thing and released an episode that we've been sitting on for nearly a month at this point. It's been mental, but we're both about to disappear on holiday, so we'll get these out of the way. And It's fine. And also, as we have waited a bit too long to just say, we're also joined by a guest. Well, so it feels weird to do a big, long intro for someone who's actually a friend, um, rather than someone we don't know. And we're, like, we, we feel like we should do the thing where we list off achievements or whatever. We've had this guy in the podcast before. First time we had him on... Um, we were recording in the Northern General Hospital and we got interrupted by people playing ping pong. Um, yeah, welcome back, Phil Pratt. How's it going? Cheers, mate. Oh my God, I remember that actually. That I know, to go into that little tiny side room it was like a mini gym, wasn't it? Completely the worst audio quality of all time. Yeah, trying to work out if there's a worse background noise for like a spoken podcast than ping pong balls. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Nah, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to this, definitely. No worries. Um, you said you we 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 had you bend in to come on ever since Mark um mentioned that Burgos might be about as good as Madiba or vice versa, but we'll get to that later. The first thing, <laughs> the first thing I want, I just wanted to drop it in nice and early. The first thing that we kind of do anytime we have a guest on, or that we've been doing since it's been public knowledge that Mark's going to be a dad for the first time, is we've been offering every guest on this podcast the opportunity to suggest names for Mark's baby. So I keep telling Gabby that the the best name has to go in. So if you have any good suggestions for baby names, we're all oh, here. I'll have to have a think. Well, my sister just had a, had a new baby. I've got a new niece right now. So Oh, congrats. I mean... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very good at thinking of names. I was struggling there, so I'll have to have. I'll give me, give me some time on that one. Are there any names she didn't use? Because I, I could just like collect everyone's like maybe pile and sift through them. I think she ended up just going for like if because she was sure it was gonna be a boy or girl, obviously. Um, so I think she ended up just going for a bunch of ones that could be either or. So she went with Nora eventually for the girl, and it could have been Noah. That's so, cute. Yeah, that's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is. That is quite nice. Right. Should we take Nora and Noah as your suggestions then? <laughs> yeah. Nora again. <laughs> Nora the second. <laughs> to be fair, we had Tommy on a couple of days ago and he was literally just like, yeah, I can't think of anything. Like glanced around the room and he was like, my dog's name is Herbert. So do you want to have Herbert? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> do you want to have Herbert? <laughs> We're just like, yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So for anyone who doesn't know, Phil, the reason we've got you on here is it's recently been announced you're leaving Madiba where you've been for four years. We're going to get into kind of what's next for you very shortly, but we've got people roped in for a couple of minutes now, so this must count as a listen. So for anyone who just wants to listen to this bit and get out of here, Phil, do you want to tell us where you're going to be playing next season? Yeah, so next season I've signed for Amiab and Albacete. Um, kind of happened from came from nowhere really realistically um, in my opinion it's uh, it's a huge club they obviously just won the Champions Champions League so it's the best team in Europe right now without yeah. a shadow of a doubt and they just won the Spanish League comfortably realistically um, so the, the 
the opportunity to go there and grow as a player and to be part of a, a club. So I don't know. I think we're quite quite like minded. They really want to grow as a club, and they're kind of never content with settling for where they're at, which is the complete opposite of Madiba. Um, so for me, as soon as that kind of opportunity came came about, I was yeah straight on it, and I'm really really excited for that. Happy days, man. We're going to get into some of that. We're going to kind of go chronologically because um, we haven't had you on for a while. But the one thing I want to mention is you've just answered the question that we had written in by Liam Hodgson, I think it was, yeah, it which was. is really funny because I just love the idea of getting you on after announcing that you're leaving your club and having to have someone be like, hey, ask him where he's going next. Imagine if we didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to make fun of that, but I wanted to be like, hey, I, I think I think we're going to think we're going to get on to that Thanks. people love transfer gossip don't they I know, yeah we're, we're trying our best to not gossip that's the thing like we've we've released that transfer tracker thing and we're only posting like confirmed like stuff yeah. because we don't we don't want to peddle rumors because i don't know i don't want to lose anyone's respect because i need people to like me character Listen, that's, well supposedly i've signed for can too jillian over i i, I heard like, I heard all of these. Like, yeah, it was just like I don't know where people get this stuff from, though. It's mad. Yeah. But I was saying, like, the thing that happens to me is, like, I get to the end of the season and I, I'm like, what am I doing next year? And people are like, well, I heard you're talking to these three clubs, and I was like, well, <laughs> well, can they tell me? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, genuinely, like, people had said that I'd signed for Albacete before I'd even spoken to anyone from that club. So I, people knew before I did. I, I think it's the the Albacete one. I think people make the links of the number of like British players. They just assume that. I think yeah, true. It's like you and Gaz announced you were leaving at more or less the same. Oh, shout out to Gaz by the way, who's um, MBE as of today. But um, GG. But yeah, yeah, you and Gaz both announced you were leaving, and then I wonder if people are like, oh, there's twelve British guys at Albacete. Maybe they'll rope fill in as well. Um, <laughs> My th- yeah, it makes sense. My theory on where you were going, well, you can tell me if this was ever close, but... Burgos, if they weren't going down. Burgos, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they, they wouldn't have it, man. They were better than the Um So my theory was that you would be joining Thuringen because Binek was retiring and I felt like having played with you and watched you play, you would love nothing more than flying up and down and hitting Vahid and Haluski under the basket. And I think the maybe the same day you announced you were leaving Madiba, we did our who's getting the belt thing and you put Haluski and I was like, well, that confirms it. There's no more discussion to be had here. <laughs> was you going to throwing an ever a thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely was. Um I mean, I'm, I'm an honest guy and I, I know some stuff I'd rather not say, but um, I think um, I got approached by them pretty late um, and I was already kind of made my mind. Obviously, my girlfriend's Spanish and the Spanish league is without a shadow of a doubt the best league in the world right now. If you look at all the European competitions from the Andre Vigawin and also Champions Cup, like the Spanish team just dominating. And I think they're only going to get stronger by some of the, I don't know if they're rumours or confirmed signings, but the Spanish league seems to be getting even more ridiculous next year. Yeah. Um, but the setup they've got at Turrigan and what their coach has done. And like you said, the thought of playing my style of basketball or more of like a pass first and looking for the big guys, looking for the scorers is, is kind of a perfect fit there realistically but just the league uh, for me uh, with the most respect in the world I don't think the German League's that great um, 
they've got the two two teams who are absolutely stacked. Uh, without a doubt, they're like top, they're probably top two out of the top three teams in the world throughout Upsetti and that as well. Um, but other than that, it's just like the gap between them and the other teams just doesn't really appeal to me whatsoever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Peddling, ru- we're not peddling rumors. <laughs> <laughs> so they will we'll take a step way back. No, we haven't had you on for a very long time. And I think when we get people on for the first time or the first time in a long time, we always ask the same question. So for anyone who doesn't know, how did you get started playing? What were your first sort of steps in wheelchair basketball? Um, so I started off playing wheelchair tennis initially. Uh, I was pretty good at that, but I just hated an individual sport, really. I was kind of finishing high school and then going straight to tennis lessons and then back home. It was just, it was just so boring. I love, like, I'm a bit, of a bit of an odd guy and I like being with a bunch of other people being weird with them as well as James and Mark know from time at Steelers. Um, so doing an individual sport just wasn't really for me. And then luckily I went to a, it was called, I can't remember what it's called now, it was like a taste taste day where you could try all different types of sports. And I tried wheelchair basketball and just fell in love with it straight away, realistically. Um, yeah, and I went from there, played for Cardiff Celts. Um, I'm not really sure how, Hadge and I think Murray Tresider was our, the men's head coach back then saw me it must have been at some kind of maybe like a junior regional thing at Stoke Mandeville yeah. and got invited to a, a GB men's camp I think I went to like two junior camps and straight to a men's camp and it's I met him, you were there as well James and yeah I remember the yeah. first day of training we were just doing these just crazy like fitness test drills I was like oh great I remember I rolled into the sports hall and I saw like Terry Bywater and John Pollock and Simon Mern. I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And then kind of got slapped in the face with the reality of what was about to happen. And I was just pushing around like an absolute lunatic for about two hours. And I was just throwing up. And I was, I don't know why that probably would have turned most people away, but uh, that, that, that hard work and being part of a group and uh, Pete Fimbo and Abdi Jammer stood out for me back then. They were like so supportive. Mm-hmm. And I was literally like throwing up. Like I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. I was, um, but they, just, they just kept pushing you and they were just kept giving little bits of advice and encouragement. And I don't know, for me, I love that. I didn't get that with tennis at all. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always the funny thing that people say, like the very first session of every Murray camp, you come in, you pick a basketball up on someone's like, Oh, Oh no. Oh, sweetie, you don't need those. You don't need those where we're going. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I mean, luckily I was there. I kind of got involved. I don't know, you're similar, James, I think almost like end of the Murray era. So luckily we, I think he was kind of checked out at that stage. So we didn't get the horrible part of, of that era, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, he, we got like some of the weird, so there was a lot of like good character stuff as well, but I think some of it yeah. was just like, he just did it for his own amusement. But if you have a particular <laughs> funny Murray story, anyone who dealt with Murray, I ask for a good Murray story. If you happen to have one off the top of your head. I mean, I didn't really have that much to do with him. Um, he was always really cool with me. Um, he always he always kind of put fa- family first. And if you had any kind of family issues or whatever else, he's like a really family family orientated guy, uh, which I don't think that many people know of. They just hear about yeah. the brutal stories of him. Yeah. Um, even like little things, we have like those fine meetings where you just have to like call people out on the most ridiculous things and then find them for it. 
for whatever that was. You might have had bed here for that morning for training and you're getting fined 20 euros, whatever it is. Yeah, a pound for being Welsh, a pound for being Irish. Like, yeah, literally. Standard but, a po- taxi fine for getting picked up from the airport. Like, what do you mean? But he's almost like a, he's like a granddad though. Like you go into that, those meetings and he's, I'm pretty sure he might have done it with you as well, but he came up to me and Billy and like Harry and he'd have like a pocket and he'd give you all like five, five pound each. So they could. Yeah. So yeah but anyone who wasn't anyone who wasn't on funding he'd slip them some cash so that you weren't actually losing out it was like the stuff like that like he actually looked after people but yeah i feel like you can't talk about murray for too long without like getting into some weird stuff so should we move on yeah that's a good idea <laughs> all right so so obviously you got started there and you kind of already sort of moved into it but what were your first steps moving towards like higher level basketball with like i'm particularly interested in are you talking about what's it like growing up and starting juniors with this group of guys like you mentioned harry and greg um like what's it like growing up and moving with those guys from another 22 team all the way into senior men's team that's pretty special yeah no definitely um so my earlier earlier stages were like it was it was tough it was really isolated in wales um a lot of their funding goes into, or I'm not sure, not sure if it does now, but I know back in the day, at least when I started, goes athletics and swimming. So my training, even though I said tennis was like very individual, basketball almost was as well. So I'm just going to sports halls on my own or with my dad and just getting up like stupid amounts of reps. Um, mm-hmm. So then going from that straight into to camps as always, for me, it was like a highlight. It was like almost like Christmas going to like a junior camp or whatever it was because I was able to play with with you, with Greg, with Harry. I know George isn't involved anymore with George and yeah, we had such, especially our world's team, like majority of that was filled with our junior squad realistically. Yeah. Um, that, that team we had the worlds, I think we finished fourth, we lost to Australia in that bronze medal game. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, this is that team that's ever been brought up by a non-Australian. That's not normally <laughs> Tom and Yannick's go-to um, opening line whenever they're on here. Oh bad. Tom was insane in that game. <laughs> Completely nuts. And Yannick just did like this. I don't even know that that finish at the end was. Just, I still don't get it. Like I've tried, yeah. to, I've tried to throw it up like fifteen times, and I just. I just I don't just know how don't. he did it. It was insane, but it was just one of those moments. Like, all right, fair enough. You're better than yeah. us, so you deserve that victory. <laughs> yeah, if you can hit I, that, cool. Like one of our players in our team could do that. So that's <laughs> yeah. off. You're, yeah, you're reducing basketball games to like a horse competition. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Now I remember. There was a moment in Worlds where I looked around and it was, I think it was me, you, Harry, Greg, George on the floor at one point. And I was like, this lineup started the Europeans in 2014 in Zaragoza. What is happening here? And I was like, oh, this is this is quite special. Like, I'll probably probably think about this in 30 years time and be like, oh, that was nice. But Nah, 100%. But like you said, we had so many years playing together. We like kind of knew what clicked, what worked for us and everyone knew their spots and positions on the floor. It was just such like a natural kind of change from our juniors into, into the men's team that when it came to those big games at the Worlds, we were all just ready for it. I felt like we were uh, like scrimmaging at, at the IS or whatever in, in Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. Which was pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we, it was one thing because we've had Brian Bell on recently. That episode's just dropped today if anyone's not checked that out already. But um it was kind of the same thing brian mentioned was that like himself and like steve and trevon jennifer and those guys all came through juniors to seniors together and 
I think the that USA group and this current GB group that you guys are talking about are like two examples where everyone's kind of graduated together. Because yeah. either like I think some places like Germany, some guys do juniors for a bit and then maybe don't make the men's team first off and like they just lapse into normal life and go and get jobs and whatever. Because you know, making the men's team is tough. But yeah, I think it's interesting that like the two examples of the full group that's made it through together have been like medal winning on both, you know, on both accounts, it's, you know, X number of years apart. So it's a tough thing to, you know, to make happen. And I, I don't know how many more times we're going to see it. I presume some country is going to have a, a similar run at some point, but it's interesting to me that that's happened relatively close together. Like it w- wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see it again for 20 years. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. Even if you look at our, I know we just said we we lost in the third, fourth game at Junior Worlds. Like realistically, that group of juniors weren't that great. Like in terms of, we didn't do it at the, at the junior level. Realistically, we won the Junior Europeans in in Zaragoza, I think it was. Yeah, but other than that, like we didn't really achieve that much. Um, but I think it was just the the amount of years that we had playing together, training together, and similar, like you said, with what what the, what the US did. Like that team was just so dominant in what they did. And then they just seem to constantly have other players like Jake Williams and Jared and these kind of guys you just, you've never heard of. And they just turn up and they're just best two fives in the world all of a sudden. Like, oh my God. It's what One of the forgotten Jake Williams things is that like that guy basically just showed up at Rio and was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm here now. <laughs> by the way, I'm the best player in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we... Uh, we mentioned Rio just there. We're going to dive into your club career at this point, Phil, because obviously we're talking about what's coming next for you club-wise. Um, your first year after Rio was your first year abroad, so you headed to Porto Torres for that season. Um, you obviously linked up with a couple of guys you were pretty familiar with in George, who'd already been there, and Matt Scott. So this was your first year playing outside of the UK, really. What went into your decision with Porto Torres and what's kind of your feeling looking back at that now for how that set you up for the career you're having? Yeah, so I think realistically, if I'm like true to myself, I probably should have gone abroad about two years earlier. Sure. I think kind of fundamentally, I always say you've got to get to a level like fundamentally before you even think about or contemplate going abroad. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of younger players in the UK are kind of a bit confused and they just want to get abroad straight away. And I get it. Like they want to compete. They want to play in the best leagues in the world. And I guess it's, it's, it's a job for a lot of people. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to kind of work your absolute butt off and get to a level where you're good enough to be able to fundamentally more than anything, cheer skills, ball handling, just making basic plays <clears throat> consistently um, at a high level. A lot of players don't do that. So for me, I think I should have gone about two years earlier but then um, I went out to go and see, I can't remember who they were playing at the time. It was like a, a middle, I mean, like a Bergamo or something at the day. And they were really good, but back in the day, they, they weren't very good. Um, I went out to watch Porto Torres play against them um, and just seeing, obviously, the beach, the lifestyle there is just another level. I don't think maybe a Canary where James has been or Malaga oh, yeah. or somewhere competes with that in certain places in France, but that lifestyle is just unbelievable. You just don't have any anxieties or... I always, I've always suffered with like insomnias, anxieties and stuff, but being there just kind of just wipes it out. Just naturally, it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, they play with my best mate with George and growing up, obviously I idolized 
kind of built my game around Sean Norris, um, Steve Serio, and then Matt, Matt Scott. So getting to play with him, learn from him. Um, when as soon as that opportunity came, I was like, I've got, I've got to go there. Like regardless of what's going on in my life or where I'm at, like I've got to go. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved that. My time there. I mean, there's a lot of issues with like payments and stuff. Um, but just getting to train with Matt Scott every day and live on the beach um, with my best mate, right, literally right next to me, George. It was just like, it was like a, a dream kind of scenario. And I think realistic, if you look at our team that we had there, it wasn't that great, but we managed to, we won the regular season and I think we, we beat Landil at their place in the, in the Champions yeah. Cup qualifiers. And we didn't end up winning anything, but, for, for the kind of squad we had and the points that we were running, I think we're playing like 13 points the majority of the season and playing like an Italian junior who couldn't even play for the Italian junior team in Dario at the time. And, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> stories, man. We played for Dario, man. He's an absolute legend, absolute legend. But we played against Cantu and this guy was like, I don't know, in, in training, maybe go two from 10, like wide open layups. And we went to Cantu at their place, absolute packed. And everyone was just booing us nonstop. And he scored like 18 points in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> he had one that stood out for me. He was like, he had a pick and roll. I didn't really want to give it to him. But he made his last like three or four in a row. So I was like, got to give it, keep giving it to him, right? <laughs> give it inside to him. I think Sagar's all over him. Brian Bell's coming from behind. He's got like three giants around swatted. He's just like got both his, his arms up in the air. Like he can't physically go any straight end. I don't know how he like somehow like banks it in. And I just remember thinking like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I love that group of players. I, I was only there for one season, but it felt like a lot longer. Um, and the relationship I bit with Matt and with Dario and Fabio, like an Italian legend, the two pointer, it, it was, it, it was great. Like it would be nice to have won something, but just the experiences there was, was unbelievable and be able to compete every single week like in the UK you don't get that you get your game every two or three weekends so being able to play every weekend was was phenomenal yeah sure okay so you touched on it there with just being being there for a year you then along with most of the other GB guys you came home for the centralization program and you guys all moved to Sheffield you obviously just said the UK league isn't kind of what you were were looking for when you went abroad and you get one game every however long and you get about two competitive games every season if that but what was the the benefit for yourself and you think for the group of guys who came back and centralized do you look at that time and is it something you're glad you did or do you feel like that's a year where you could have been pushing yourself further if you'd been abroad obviously you guys won the world straight after that so it probably works out fine, but <laughs> potentially. <laughs> and yeah. you're a league too. <laughs> oh yeah, we did, of course. No, definitely. Um, I think the thing that stood out and made a lot of us come back was the the training facilities at the EIS are like ridiculous. Um, Port Torres is like a great place, but it's, the tra- training facilities aren't, aren't great. Um, even now, like a lot of the top teams in the world, like their training facilities aren't great at all. Like Madiba, I just spent the whole season. I'm guessing we'll talk a bit more later on about that. But the training, like our arena that we train in, is awful. So being able to train at the IS, doing like I don't know one shooting session a day with Hajj Banya, who uh, fundamentally for like the training session that he does is like the best coach in the world for that. Um, and then being able to scrimmage, like the the level of our scrimmages were like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, 
and we just didn't want to get off the court. We were all so, so, so competitive. The likes of James, myself, Greg, Harry. I'm just missing out so many people right now. You know, like Jack Perry, who just like, it was just stacked and we were just going at it. And I just remember we just didn't want to leave. Like we play like best of best of three, whatever. And then we go past our assignment and like the netball players are trying to get on and we're just trying to bash out like another game. All right, let's go first to five. Cause like we just, we just didn't want to lose that last game. Yeah. Um, and just pushing each other to that level every single day. We're just, I guess like striving for greatness and like saying at the wheels, it all kind of came together. And I, this, I honestly think it was due to that. So going into winning that world championships, um, obviously lost to USA in the groups and then eventually found them in the final, beat them for the first time they'd been beaten in a couple of years, probably, I would say. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think last, so. Their last loss will have been at the in the world's final at Incheon, presumably, because they, yeah. went, they went undefeated at Rio. So what, what was that like, having... Well, I was there, but I'll let you answer it because you actually played. Um, <laughs> but what was that like coming up against a team that hadn't lost for years who you'd already lost to in the tournament? Like, that, that's that's a bit of a weird one, getting to the final against a team that you've already seen in the groups. Yeah. So I called it earlier on in the tournament. I don't know why. I just had a feeling. <laughs> had just like super OCD with a lot of stuff and he didn't want to give too much away in that group game against them. So we, we almost went out there. Obviously, we wanted to win, but we went out there almost like a, a scrimmage. Like we wanted to win no matter what. We didn't do it, but we didn't really have much of a game plan. It was just... Yeah, everyone played. And, was weird. Yeah, literally. So from, from my from my perspective, I, I said to George earlier on, I was like, I think we're going to lose the US in the groups and then we'll beat them in the final. Um, and even that game when they beat us, I think it was the first time, like you said, they hadn't lost for so long and we were up for a lot of that game in the, in the group game. It was almost like I looked at their face at the end of the game and they're like, they knew, like we, we were there. Um, I think it was, we were the first team that were like, oh, oh crap, these guys have turned up and we're in trouble if we, if we cross into them again. They might say otherwise, but from my from my perspective, where I was sitting from, I just remember looking at the end of that game, it almost felt like a def- almost like a victory for us rather than a, a defeat. Um, I think they were all of a sudden like vulnerable again, whereas before they were just dominating everybody. I remember we went to this tournament in, I can't remember, Colorado, I think. Um, it was us, uh, the Spanish men's team and the US. We must have played the US like 10 times and they played Spain 10 times. We played Spain 10 times. We played stupid amounts of games and the US just absolutely dominated us and dominated the Spanish team for like a full week. Um, so yeah, that group game was definitely a bit of, for us, it was reassurance. I remember Terry came up to me in a timeout and he was like, we're, we're going we're to beat them. Like, we're going to beat them. If we play them again in the tournament, we're going to beat them. Um, and the confidence that came from that, even like like I was saying, was a loss, was just was just brewing, and we were all just ready for that next game, whether that's going to be a semi final or a final. Yeah. yeah, I remember that exact that exact conversation. I remember going into the change room after it, and someone being like, "Hey, that's that's all they've got, and that yeah. is nowhere near what we've got." Which is like, you know, if we end up losing that final, we're not telling that story, obviously, but <laughs> but it was true. Like I remember being like, "Okay, so we rotated and like." like Greg's chair broke and this happened and that happened. It was all these weird things. It was like, Oh no, if we like, if we go out and actually give it, give it everything, what will happen and look what happened. I remember the, I remember there was various chair problems in that game. I'd I'd never heard the bit about Hadj not wanting to give anything away. Is there any conspiracy theory that Hadj sabotaged the chairs? <laughs> no, I, I mean, he, I don't think he actually said he didn't want to give anything away. I just think if you know you're going to play someone again in the final, 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. There wasn't a plan going into that saying we're not going to give everything and try not to win that game. Without, yeah, yeah. No, that, that didn't happen. But at the same time, it was, yeah, we, didn't, we went all in in terms of a ridiculous game plan of how we're going to stop certain players. Fair. Yeah. We, I guess we've spo- spoiled it here because we've already talked about you guys beating them in the final. So if anyone didn't know that, to be fair, then what, why are they listening to this? But <laughs> I think um, one of the interesting things which we don't see happen a whole lot is you guys won the world championships and then there was a mass exodus of the centralised GB guys or the guys from that world's team who all landed in Madiba together. So yeah. we're going to talk about your Madiba tenure a little bit because your four years there have seen various iterations of the team I guess but you first went out there yourself George Greg and Abdi and just kind of transplanted this very GB identity onto a team in the Spanish league and you you guys came out the gate in your first season there and I think you were undefeated for kind of the first half to three quarters of the season so was that all just momentum carrying over from Worlds, do you think? Yeah, definitely. And I think I played one season in Italy. Like Greg played one season at Varese as well. Um, so I think a lot of us were kind of unknown kind of identities. I don't think people really knew how to defend Greg or how to defend me. Um, they obviously so th- haven't been watching the World Championships. <laughs> yeah. No, but genuinely, no one knew I that either. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think people really knew how to defend my, myself or or Greg. Obviously, Abdi's been around for forever. Um, even Georgia played in um, in Port Torres for for longer than I'd been abroad. So I think teams started to suss us out realistically, and then not having the depth of like an Alunian or an Albacete, it kind of had one plan. And if it didn't work, then we were kind of stuffed. Um, but definitely, the momentum from the wheels helped us on that kind of hot streak to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that's entirely fair. But I think that's like a maybe a bit of a theme of your various years is the depth hasn't always been your guys' strong point, which might be financial related, which I think is something you want to touch on at some point soon. Um, but you guys kind of retooled the year after you brought Ben across for his first year abroad. Uh, you didn't got- have enough Brits. So yeah. you thought, hey, let's get rid of this one Mexican uh, guy. Yeah, you guys brought Ben in. Esteche came in as well that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so you guys were a little bit retooled. And that year, I think George got injured. You guys had some, I think Abdi got injured at one point as well. And yeah, he did. Basically, seemingly for you guys, everything that could have gone wrong that year did go wrong. I think you ended up finishing sixth or seventh in the league overall. Yeah. Um so at that point, you've been abroad for a couple of years in a couple of different situations. Are you starting to have the the feeling of this is harder than I had given it credit for, having been on pretty dominant teams for your first couple of years there? Yeah, I think like you you hit the nail on the head with that. Like our second season, I don't think every, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. George and in the first season was top point scorer in the league, and then you're like like someone ripped his thumb out in training. Oh man, I'm, I, was, I was so mad. I was some of our South Americans in training just have no, there's no filter. They're just going 100% the whole time, which is cool. It helps you, but it's like someone's got a fast break layup and you're getting chased down. And you're like, I might die. 
So it's just it's ridiculous. So don't say that, man, because Bill Bowell signed them up. If James reports that, I'll be like, <laughs> that happens here too. Like the amount of times I've had to be like, "Hey, I'm not willing to die on a Tuesday night." <laughs> like, yeah, literally. So uh, I think George got a rebound, and someone's getting like a wide open layup in transit transition. He's like winding up like a full court pass, and one of our South Americans just goes behind and like just p- rips George's hand down and almost like tears his finger off basically so that that was that was a huge hit for us like we just signed Yelma and Yelma like without a doubt has been it's been huge the last couple seasons and he was super talented we picked him up but it was his first season abroad so it was like big shoes to fill going straight into that he did a great job and held his own but it was just just tough and then we went from that to then Abdi got injured like I think he had a really bad back or an arm I can't remember and then my, <laughs> my, yeah, and then my stepbrother died. It was like, I mentally just wasn't there. It was just like a kind of, we start getting all the pieces back together again and something else would happen. Sure. Um, but that stuff happens, man. Um, and that's another, another kind of issue with Madiba is that they kind of just go with seven players. So if something happens to one or two of those guys, then you have nothing to fall back onto. Um, yeah. So yeah, that second season went terrible, re- realistically. There's no kind of beating around the bush with that. Um, and then going into the third season, I was like, we need to kind of re-identify. I don't really know how to how to word it. We had to get rid of, I guess, our identity at the time because it wasn't really working. Um, Greg, MVP at the Worlds. I think the, the whole world wanted to sign Greg at that stage, obviously. So Greg got a, a really good offer from Elunian and it was definitely the right move for him at the time. I think yeah. he, I think he was at where I'm at now, where I'm at right now with Madiba. Like he kind of saw it wasn't going in the right direction. Um, and he wanted to be part of a, of a club that was similar minded to him and wanted to improve, wanted to win everything. So as soon as we lost Greg, it was kind of like, what do we do now? Um, and then Matt was just finishing up in Turrigan. And we're like, oh, crap, we could get the big three, if you like, back together. But now we've got a couple of other pieces around that, which we didn't have in the Italian league. Like, how's this going to work? So I personally was was super excited for that. Um, and then when we got Matt in, we, we came out flying. We beat Bilbao, our first home game of the season. Yeah. Um, I think the whole league was like, oh, damn, here we go. But, um, yeah, it didn't really end that way. <laughs> I've missed a huge bit in the middle of that, but I mean, my first, like <laughs> I was saying, I, I, like, I want to, I got to be careful what I say because I've still got some ongoing issues with Madiba right now. But I mean, my first two seasons were good, like in terms of how the club was run. They weren't really financially, we all got paid on time. Um, we didn't have people knocking at our doors like landlords at midnight trying to kick us out of our apartment, which is what we've had this season. Jeez. Um, Jesus. So, yeah, the first two seasons were good. And then when Matt came in, it was just like, I don't know, something just start, something just happened with the club. Um, it sounds like when Matt came in, this is what happened, but it was nothing to do with Matt. Like it was completely out of his hands. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sad about it, how, how, how it kind of ended with me and Matt because we had such a good relationship. Um, and I felt a bit embarrassed that I kind of got him into Madiba and bad yeah. stuff started happening as, as a club. I didn't really know how to, I've never been in that situation before. Um but yeah, there's like payments that would be a bit late. Or oh, I know Matt had a lot of issues with his visa and he's having to like fly around to America and then back to Germany because that's where he was at Turrigan and then back to Madrid and then Madrid to Badajoz, which was ridiculous. Sure. Um, 
so yeah that definitely had a big factor on kind of our relationship and on how the team performed and we didn't really finish as as we would have liked to yeah that's one thing i wanted to ask like i think it's no secret um to a lot of people that know how this stuff works that although clubs are run by presidents and coaches and whatever like generally some of the like networking to get players to clubs happens through like key players so i know you would have had a big part in getting people like correct me if i'm wrong but you would have had a big hand in getting people to your club uh over the last couple of years and that's that's a lot of added pressure as well as trying to run things on court like having to get some of these things together and talk people into oh no you, you should come here it'll be great and whatever like that's yeah that's an extra element especially if it then if they end up getting let down like that's a that's an element that people don't think about like they kind of probably assume that you show up shoot the ball go home show up train go home like yeah i mean i mean it was just nuts like the first two seasons here were, were great like i said like financially everything was great um all the little things and the basics that you expect when you play for a professional club, everything, all the boxes were being ticked. And then I remember like one of the first shooting sessions me and Matt did together, we were like so hyped, like, Oh, we're going to dominate this year. We're going to win everything. And like, let's, let's, let's do this. And like, we turned up to our training arena. It was obviously post COVID, but like it hadn't been clean. I have no idea how long, potentially like three months and majority of Spanish kind of arenas, the tops are like open to keep it cool during the summer. So I have no idea how much dust was in there. Like I'm not exaggerating. It was like, it looked like snow. And <laughs> so I'm like, it got to the stage. Like at the time I was rebounding for Matt and Matt was rebounding for me. It was like, every time I'd pass in the ball, like the ball would hit his hands and it was just like this, like just smoke or dust or mist was just like <laughs> going all over his face. Every time he oh shot, it was like, God. it was ridiculous. And then Sounds it kind like of got worse idea. from the... <laughs> There's the old NBA live game where anytime you got a perfect release on a three, it would like go through the basket and there would be like sprinkles and sparkles like pop off the basket. <laughs> From there, I was a bit like, oh God, hopefully it was just post-COVID, things all kind of work there, sort themselves out and they, they really didn't. No. Oh God. That's, yeah. that's an absolute nightmare. Like that's the sort of like, the bare, well, the bare minimum is like, if you're if you're saying you're going to pay my rent and pay my bills or whatever do that but the bare minimum as a basketball player is like can i have decent facilities to be able to do my job for you because like that bit that bit's for them it's like hey can i go and train and shoot the ball so that we can win on saturday (laughs) yeah literally oh it was even before copper day this season like we've i think we trained once in about two weeks because we turn we turn up to training, and bear in mind we've got players who live about 25, 30 minutes from our arena, with our our coach included in that. And we we turn up to our arena, and it's been double booked, or like I said, it was it's got like two inches of dust on it, so we physically can't train because you just wheel spinning, and people are jarring their arms out and all sorts of stuff. So we're going to take a couple of Ray, which is we finished second in the league, we had a good season. It's like okay, let's try and finish on a high, and like we've we trained like once or twice in two weeks because of the facilities it's just it's like it's mad yeah that sounds not suitable work environment if, like if this, so, was, if this was a regular job in like an office building that had this level of like neglect it would probably be shut down and you guys would be like financially compensated i imagine massively the amount of stuff that is like allowed to slide in places like this is just like oh, it's mad you hear stories man but like I think most people just kind of assume it won't happen to them. Or like, like you say, when you've been at the club for X number of years, yeah. you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and you're like, oh, they'll get it together. And then it's like, 
it is disappointing to hear that that does still happen. Yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I mean, I, I've missed so much stuff that's happened, but we've received, like we got a player, uh, Jason, is from Venezuela, lives in Colombia, and they like they just didn't even sort his flight out, so he couldn't go back home for Christmas. Um, like you said, it's just neglect, and uh, it's almost like a bit. It's it's awful. It's the thing is, I didn't want to speak too much about it because I don't want to get myself in trouble. At the same time, like if anyone's thinking of signing for that club, like stay as far clear as you can. Yeah. Um, we can yeah. hold this until like we can like not post all of this until you're like completely clear of it. If that's the way around this, if you want. No, no, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're it's like cool. I, I didn't want to say this. However, I did. Um, no, um, plus, I think Lewis has just said basically everything you said. Lewis Edwards has posted on his social media. <laughs> Lewis has just torched them. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I said to James, we've been doing this transfer tracker thing, and like we said, we're not doing anything on there until it's like a confirmed signing. But Lewis just shared something the other day that was just, I think, George's initial post about how badly things had started getting, and Lewis just put terribly run club. And I was like, can I take that as a confirmed departure from the Only official posts from only official posts from athletes or teams. Yeah. We um, don't peddle rumors on like some places. But, <laughs> oh yeah, shout out Shut, shut, shut. Um, okay. Okay. Possibly unanswerable question about your time in Madiba. Are you better than Burgos? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Phil, I'm going to clear the floor here. I'm going to let you run an ISO on Mark if you want to. Yeah, kind go of... ahead, <laughs> well, I mean, as a club, without a shadow of doubt, Burgos are a better club than Madiba. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even going into Copa del Rey, like, I'm such a competitive person to the extent where sometimes it's a bit bad. I might be a bit, I don't know, a bit tough on my teammates or whatever, but like, it was the first tournament I've ever gone into in my entire career. I was like, I don't want this team to win this tournament because they just do not deserve any good press, any good media, any any success. Because, of, the, like you're saying, like, they neglect. For James beating you guys in the semi final. Oh, they didn't just beat us, they whooped us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, good looking out. Thanks. <laughs> but no, in terms of us being on level with, with Burgos, come on, Mark. <laughs> no, I, 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 I will admit I got that one badly wrong. Um, I, to, I think the thing that came out of your guys' season this year, like you say, with all the turmoil and whatever, the thing that did come out of this season that was a positive is that the on-court relationship between yourself and John Hernandez was one of the highlights of the Spanish League from a viewing perspective. I mean, you guys were awesome together, and I hadn't factored in that chemistry or the fact that Burgos were quite as terrible as they were, admittedly. Yeah, I think you thought. Bur- I don't know if you thought Burgos were going to be good or if you thought Medibar were going to be bad. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't I, know. I think, I think everyone thought we were going to be bad. Though, to be fair, like you're not. Yeah. You're not the only one on that mark. Yeah, I just. I'll. I'll be honest. Like, I did not see it early in the season. Um, yeah. I didn't know what your guys' half court offense was going to look like, but neither did we. John was massive. <laughs> you were like, hey, we didn't have to find out. It was fine. Um, just cross out the whole time running transition. Yeah. But I thought the combination of yourself and John Hernandez was awesome. And I don't know if that was like for you, if that was a saving grace of, you know, if there's something to salvage from this season that sounds like it's been a, a yeah. rough ride. Has that been been the high point or been what's kept you sane, I guess? Yeah, definitely. Um I, th- I mean, realistically, we were one game away from winning the league. Like we turned up to Gran Canaria without Lewis, so we had to play a guy who's 
Jason, who's huge, but um, and Joy wasn't there either. He had a pressure sore. So, I mean, we were one game away. Like, if we had an actual full, fully fit squad for the whole season, we would have won the league, um, which is scary under the kind of situations and circumstances that the club kind of threw at us. But playing with John was, I, I've always wanted to play with John. Um, every team he's been at, he's just been the most underrated player on, on that team, even. Albacete when they were great back in the day like he was just con- whenever we played against them at least he was just burning us he just spotted up weak side finding his little elbow shot or whatever that was all these little cuts and he was just scoring 20 points against us every game and Bill Bow last season when they won the league you know, Azia was was phenomenal Hasso and Jordi Ruiz but it was just John man who was just making it all click and for a lot of people who don't understand basketball they just see the ball going in the net they don't understand like how people are getting these shots or where they're coming from, even defensively, John, man, like he just, the pieces he gets on the ball and he's just everywhere. He's just doing the, he's just making the right play like 99 times out of a hundred. And for me, someone who likes to create is just, it's just so nice knowing that you've got someone just making the right plays all the time. You know, they're going to be there. If if I, I don't know, make a bad cut or whatever. I know John's going to be posted up shooting the ball behind his head somewhere. (laughs) The unblockable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right, I think we've um, we've probably dwelled on the Madiba negativity long enough, so we'll get into the what will hopefully be a happier chapter for. Yes, yeah, so we... you kind of answered this earlier, but why Albacete and why now? <laughs> yeah, so the why now bit. <laughs> yeah, there, a... there you go. You've answered that. Why Albacete <laughs> and why not two years ago would probably be the better question. Yeah, I mean. Two years ago would have been when, after we had a, a bad season, maybe that would have been a good a good time. And I'm gutted right now because Kyle's obviously not going to be there next season. Yeah. Um, and I think our, our games, how we both play, would have fit perfectly for me creating and having Lee going inside and Kyle spotting up, whatever, would have been, would have been ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but right now it just feels like the, I, I, had, I had to get out of Madiba first and foremost. Um, and like I said, the... I think when I first came to Spain, they were very similar in terms of clubs. And before Lee got to Albacete, they were kind of bottom table, fighting for relegation most seasons. And the way kind of Lee, Kyle, and then Gaz came eventually, and Harry, those guys just like really shaped that team. Don't forget Wayne Boardman. Wayne Boardman as well. No, definitely. And Addy, like those guys were kind of building something special. And I was like, I kind of wanted to replicate the same thing at Mediba. But the, the club and the organization were just not, behind doing that whereas Albacete are um, and for me that was that was a huge thing I was saying I spoke about Turrigan and what a phenomenal organisation and club they are but I think Albacete just getting better and better every year as a team and as, as a club um, they're continuously trying to get better players in and trying to add to their already like phenomenal core so yeah um, it kind of made sense my girlfriend wanted to stay in Spain I wanted to stay in Spain and they just won the well, they're champions of Europe, so who wouldn't want to go and play for that team? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I think I I hadn't thought about it in these terms, and maybe it's not a very fair comparison because, as we know, Gaz is leaving there. But I think you joining Albacete might be the biggest signing of a player to a reigning Champions Cup winner that I can remember. Yeah, definitely. I think I think definitely it's going to be a different style of basketball for them as well. Um, I think majority of our kind of units by the sounds of it are going to be four bigs um, and, and big bigs with Ali and I'll be our fourth big Ali Lee and, and Filipski obviously. Yeah. Um, and then being able to play with Lee, obviously we've kind of, 
had moments of it together playing for GB, but then um, not really, we don't really get enough of it. We kind of get a little, little taste of it, like I said. So I've been able to play with Lee and I love playing in transition and he's like the most explosive, most kind of dominating big guy in the world. So having a four or five who's going to get a rebound, kick it out to myself or Filipski and just run in transition is just like a, a dream for me. Um, and I spoke a bit about Madiba this season. As like I said, we were, we were a game away from winning the damn league, yeah. um, but we just couldn't beat Albacete. We could play him a thousand times, we wouldn't win once. Um, and, and that they were saying, our, our half court was just, was just not good enough. I mean, a lot of people knew that it was, it, was, it was evident and we kind of managed to get away with it just from being really good in transition. But you, you, you just can't play transition against Lee. He's just, a lot of people, obviously, Albacete's success this year will look at, obviously, Kyle's been like just, just stupidly good. He should have got MVP, like you guys said. Should have got MVP of the Champions <laughs> Cup. Like he was robbed of that. Um, Gaz has just been phenomenal. Philips he's been phenomenal. Like they've all been, they've all been great. Champions of Europe, but like the the stuff that Lee's doing, like more than anything in defense, is just it's impossible. And it's only when you watch it back on video, I'm like, how are we scoring like ninety points a game basically in transition against every team? But then we play against Albacete, who are a lot quicker than, and we just can't get anything in transition. It's just Lee. He's just oh, yeah. everywhere. He's so quick. He's getting pieces of the ball. His ability to defend like a three-on-one or a two-on-one is just ridiculous. He's just constantly making you doubt whether to attack or whether to kick it out and make that extra pass. And then before you know it, they've their defense is, is reset and you're playing a half-court without... You've got like a four-on-one and all of a sudden you're playing a half-court offense again. <laughs> like, how has he just done that? So, I mean, being able to play with someone like that and then you've got Alejandro coming back from injury and he was he was great at Champions Cup. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, awesome. Lee's absolutely nuts. I think, obviously, the physicality and the being able to defend in transition as someone that big really stands out. But the thing that gets me is when you get into a half court, the way he kind of directs traffic, like, yeah, kind of like way bigger, obviously, in terms of the comparison, but like a Draymond thing where you can just see he's like quarterback and the whole thing. He's defending his guy, but he's also calling out schemes and switches and this, that, and the other and telling people what to do. And it's just unbelievable, like watching yeah. like as you say it's like maybe it might get lost on people who don't really know what's happening but if you watch it and you know what's going on it's like this is completely nuts that he's just managing all of this while also doing what he does at a high level yeah. completely well, i've had a load of comments from people just saying what's kind of like lee's not had a great season what's going on with lee this year i'm like what are you guys watching watch the games is the only yeah like have you not seen lee just get a rebound kick out someone and he's literally like sag three people under the basket because they're terrified of him and then someone's got a wide open three and they're like oh my god he's on fire from three like yeah but how's he just got that have you not seen yeah. what happened beforehand yeah well i think maybe the best example of this is w- when we previewed um champions cup when we had greg on and we talked about whether because that was coming off a game where Cantu had shot like a million percent in one of the italian playoff games yeah and we were like, it's Cantu Albacete, can they put a scare into them? And at that point, it was like, do they have enough to, you know, match um, Gaz, Filipski and Kyle shooting-wise on a good day? Probably, if Cantu have a good shooting day, you then also have to counter out the fact those guys get infinitely easier shots because Lee being there creates easier shots for everyone and there's just no... You know, there's nobody in the game really who's equivalent to it at the moment. You might have an example that I've not thought of, but there doesn't seem to be anyone whose mere presence makes no. three shooters open at once. No, it's, it's the like, thing it's of like, like Rodney, if, isn't it? I guess when Rodney yeah. was at Alunian, but Lee got the chair skills of like a Harry Brown or someone. It's yeah. it's, it's it's not it's a cheat code. Yeah, saying 
It's like if you counted like a drive into the like charge circle that opened up a shooter as an assist, what would we be talking about? I think people look at numbers as well, where it's like if Lee's playing a strong side pick and roll with either a two that should have been the MVP of Champions Cup or one of the best yeah. scores in the world, like, hey, the help's probably going to come. Like, he's probably not going to run a layup in. Exactly. So, like, if he ends up averaging 11 points a game, it might be that. <laughs> like, but like you were saying, though, it's, that's like a such a fair comment. Like, MVP of the World Championships playing on the same side as Lee. So it's like, that's coming off of Lee's creation as well. Don't be wrong, this is no hit on Greg. Like, Greg's freaking ridiculous. Uh, Greg can play with a bloody day chair and score 30 points. Like, just put <laughs> something on the side of the key and he'll score 30 points. Yeah. But the success of Kyle this year, like, Lee's been creating a lot of it. He's been creating a lot of it for Gaz and for Filipski as well. And I think they'll say the same thing. Yeah. yeah um, sure. But you guys obviously understand basketball and you, you, you see those things. So some people oh, are just like <laughs> making comments about how how is he having a bad year like we just won champions kept just won the league like he's creating the most space for all these guys he's defending two on ones three on ones for me there's a huge play as well champions cup where i'm not sure if he blocked haluski but haluski either air balls or he blocks him but he's like he's just in his head the whole time just getting an arm up and then like try, try pass i shoot and this oh, is haluski like- who's just like a cold killer scorer yeah that like elbow extended that. post up near the end of the game wasn't it yeah, that's the one. Oh, yeah. mental. Like, only guy, only guy in the world that gets there and also puts it off. Like, Yeah, literally. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, one guy I want to ask you about, Phil, before we get into our next question that we've got lined up is Filipski, because obviously you know a lot of the Albacete guys, like you say, from your GB connections. Um, I don't know how well you know Filipski personally, but I think the dynamic with you and him that interests me is... I've obviously seen you and Greg play together, you know, a bunch of times and you guys have great chemistry and thinking about it, Filipski kind of played the primary ball handler role when Gaz missed the first, I think, six or so games of the, this season just gone. Yeah. But Filipski came alive kind of when he had somebody else to play off of and he can stop worry, worrying about setting other people up and just go ultra aggressive scoring mode. And, to me, Filipski and you guys are potentially like you being teamed with a four-point Greg. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, so I guess when you would think about I'll say, what does what kind of level of draw does that bring you in terms of how much do you imagine yourself playing with guys who are already there? And, you know, did you talk to Filipski or any of the other guys about how you'd fit? Or do you just kind of trust that the collective talent will, will work it out? No, nah, definitely. I definitely thought about when we're chatting to, to their club about units and how it's going to work. And like, I, I mean, this year I've been like super ball dom- uh, dominating. Like I, I don't want to play that though. Like I like creating, that's obviously that's my, my game, but I don't want to be with the ball. I want to be able to, like I said, I base my game off of people like Matt Scott's and Sean Norris's who were just, just so deadly off, devastating off the ball. Um, and I want to be able to make those cuts, but this year with the kind of team that we had at to have the ball in my hand for like 23 seconds of an offense, um, which isn't ideal. Um, and it's just not a good way of playing basketball on the half court, realistically. Yeah. So being able to play with a four point Greg is gonna be is gonna be really exciting. Um, and like you said, the first half of the season he was he was nuts. And then playing off of Kyle, who was giving Filipski even more space. Hopefully, I'll be able to add something similar to that as well. I mean, I'm, I'm excited by it. If you look at Filipski when he was at Galatasaray, when he was just the best four in the world without a doubt just for in terms of playing like playing the perimeter 
it, it was nuts. Um, and I've seen it that even this year, he's like going inside a lot more. Like when I used to watch him at Galatasaray, he was mainly playing, I don't know, running like a horn set or he'd be playing weak side behind a double screen. Um, and he's just like the most knockdown shooter in the world right now, realistically, other than Kyle, Greg and a couple other guys. But he's, he's, he's mad. But his ability to be able to go inside as well just added kind of another level to his game. And I was excited to see what, what he was going to do this season. And then he came out the first part of the season. I th- even then he finished like top five, like this MVP. I'm not really sure how they do it in Spain. Some MVP kind of thing. It's based on like a efficiency or something Insane. for the games. And he was he still ended in the top five and he probably played about 30 minutes whole second half of the season. Yeah, he came off the bench from basically the minute guards of that. But yeah, yeah, I think it's amazing to see that a guy will start going inside more as soon as the guys he's relying on to get him the ball are no longer Lee Fryer and Will Bonner. It's like... <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's opened the game up for They were insane actually last season. Did they beat Bill Bow? They've like almost it, I think they almost beat us. Matt hit some like crazy underarm, like half court bank shot from the three. Like we were struggling. Like, that team was oh, good. Yeah. They almost beat they almost beat a Lunion in their place because I remember that was like a postponed game that was on like a Wednesday afternoon. So when I was in Grand Canaria, we all got together and watched it. And I was screaming like Lee Fryer's the best player in the world, middle of the third quarter, because <laughs> I was losing my mind. It was unbelievable. But anyway, enough about Burgos, probably. Um, what's it like to move to a club that's changing coaches? I don't know. I don't know if they have a coach yet. I don't know if you know that, but it's not public if it is, so whatever. But is yeah. that does that come into it at all, or is it more about players? Uh, more so for the players um, I think we should be able to kind of figure out amongst us regardless of what coach we have there but having a good coach is definitely going to help um, I'm still not sure who they're, who they're going to get I'm sure they'll make the right decision like I said they're always trying to improve and kind of take the next step up so fingers crossed mm-hmm. they've got someone good lined up um, but yeah I mean playing with Filipski, Lee um, Alejandro and then Harry's there and Oscar's there and Ben's there it's just there's just so much depth to it. You've got like a huge four big lineup and then people can kind of rotate with, within that. Um, and then a second unit with like a press unit, myself, Harry, Oscar, and I can't even remember the other two guys right now, but it's just like, there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah, and I'm, someone. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't go, like, I'd get pressed by Harry, myself and, and Oscar, to be honest. Oh no, I, I, I hate the sound of that. I think <laughs> it, shows, it shows the depth we're talking about considering we've made it this far into the Albacete segment of this and Harry and Oscar have only just got a mention. It's like the probably yeah. two teams that any, sorry, two guys that any team would want to roll out as like their frontline defenders and we're only just like, oh yeah, those guys. I know, it's ridiculous. I, everyone, I mean, Harry, everyone, I think now he's not as underrated as he was, but like you said, people just forget about Harry and then you'll just turn up and just do the craziest stuff you've ever seen on in it in a wheelchair basketball game and yeah. it's like oh damn he's actually like top five player in the world when he wants to be he hasn't yeah, like once a game he'll do like a what is happening thing <laughs> yeah where you're like I, I have no idea that i that like anyone else in the world can do that like yeah completely yeah. insane right all right last amiab question uh before we get on to questions people have sent in um what are your goals for this coming season are they negotiable in any way or is it win everything I mean, I think from their club, their goals, they're, they're, they're going to want to win everything. Um, and I, I understand why. And that's that's a reason why I want, want to go there. And that's why I've signed there. Um, I want to win the Spanish League. I want to win the Spanish Cup. And then in Europe, if we can 
get to a final of the Champions Cup and then see what happens there. It'd be great. Like I was saying before, it's it's a it's a big change. The core of Albacete is changing. Um, so it might take us a while. I mean, I don't really like how the Spanish leagues work. I would like there to be a playoffs. Um, but because that's a shame. Like I was saying, we're almost gonna be working things out initially um for the first month or two. And if you drop a game or two during that, you can end up losing the league because of it, which which is a shame. But um I'd hope that by the time kind of the end of the season comes Spanish cup and champions cup, but we'd, we'd be there or thereabouts. And I want to win everything. Like I'm super competitive. I'm a bit obsessive with it. Um, but yeah, those are my expectations. Definitely. Sure. Cool. The rest of the, right. the rest of the Spanish league has been warned if they're listening to this and expectations, hopefully get paid on time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'll need to worry about that. I think you're going to a well-run, well-run club. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've heard. All right, so we're going to move on to some questions sent in to, I assume, listeners, if not just people who are on our social media. <laughs> right, so first question from Yelmer is, would you be interested in joining the anti-bench unit's Dutch mafia task force, Phil Nose Dutch? <laughs> Was that a riddle? <laughs> no, so there's a, there's a group of people that only, it's currently only made up of Yelmer and Rose, and it's, it's a great conspiracy to get Yelmer the belt every week. So would you like to join up to that to help Yelmer get the belt? Yeah, I'm in, definitely. Cool. Apparently we in Dutch. <laughs> I can't remember. No, I, no I'm not going to try and repeat it because I think it's offensive. I know like <laughs> one phrase, but it's bad. Right, Mark, next question. Okay, so this is from Lewis Edwards, who I'm praying this is an inside joke you'll understand because he's told us it's an inside joke. Oh, no. Joke. He might <laughs> He might just be stitching us up here and we'll look like... Losers. No, he, he said it was an inside joke and I didn't include that in the rundown because I was like, I don't think we need to make that clear, but I have to are. explain this now, aren't I? Okay, so he's asked, favourite nappy brand, question mark. <laughs> Huggies pull-ups. I mean, I, I, I don't even know how that came. How that, that Oh, I know why. I, I don't know. I think one of the away game and someone farted and it stank and I just said in Spanish that um, Lewis is nappy's full basically and then john and anders <laughs> found it hilarious and then everyone's repeating it non-stop um, but then karma came back and bit me in the bum so basically i was i've ordered in spain i don't know if i have it in other countries in europe this it's called glovo so i was ordering like a a mini shop and i was trying to order wet wipes but i was like half asleep when i was doing it and i ended up buying like 20 nappies <laughs> so it turned up to my house this is a carrier bag just full of nappies um so yeah the joke joke continued <laughs> Okay, I'm glad there was actually something to that. Yeah, so <laughs> right. I I was like dreading asking that, and you've just been like, "What?" <laughs> um, okay. Um, next question from Mendel. Um, do you think people underestimate how good you are? Um. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I'm never really that guy to talk that way. Um. But I mean, a lot of people watch my game would just say the same thing. Like, he doesn't shoot the ball enough. I just don't see him take over games enough. It's like, I'm going to say it, stuff it. Like, John Hernandez this year has had his best season in his career. Salvador Sandoval this year has had his best season in his career. Like, a lot of guys who I play with have had their best seasons of their career. And it's just like, I could shoot the ball 12 times more in a game and get another 8 to 10 points, realistically. Or I can help my team get to a level where, pe- like, like I was saying, we're joking about the Burgos kind of comparison, but a lot of people this year, there's like a, a Spanish poll saying like, who's going to be the most underachieving team this year. It was like 90% of the people said Mediba. 
Um, so I, I like personally, okay, I could average 25 points a game um, and playing a team that's not really doing much or let's get my team to a level where we're competing with the best team in the world right now and, and I'm up uh, one game away from winning the league. So I think from that perspective, I think, yeah. Uh, but also I like that. I like the people kind of underestimate me and I think playing next year with Filipski and having Lee and, and Ali as your kind of anchors is going to free me up a lot more to hopefully score more. Maybe people will uh, stop hating as much. <laughs> oh, no problem. And anytime anyone does, you can come back on here and just talk the talk. Yeah. I mean, shout out Mendel, by the way, man. Like the this is I'm not trying. Well, I'm baking him up right now. Like the last last two years, like my god, I remember unbelievable. He's always been good. Like when you played him at Canary, he was always good, and he's just a pain in the ass to play against because he's just constantly just banging your chair, and he's just constantly. I don't know. He's averaging 16 points a game, 14 to 16 a game. Mm-hmm. It's like he's a good player, like a, a solid player, and then. And, he went from that to the European Championships. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, what oh, has yeah. this guy been doing? He's the most, you would struggle to make an argument for anyone other than him as like the most improved guy over the last... 100%, man, no doubt. Yeah, I saw, um, I remember like, because I've known he's been good for a very long time. Like he does the most mad athletic, tilty stuff. Yeah. I think it's like double amp things, but he does like, he did the maddest stuff in training for two years. And we've seen him like take over scrimmages and whatever, but they played a friendly tournament. It was like them, Spain, Germany, or whatever. When was that, Mark? Was it last uh, summer? Yeah, Dutch bubble. It was called. Yeah, the Dutch bubble. And I just was like, hey, Mark, Mendel's the best player in the world for these three days. It was it, like he was like, obviously, I don't think he was like, I don't think he was actually the best player in the world, but like in terms of he was the best player at that tournament by a mile. And I was like, for those three days, he just took over the whole universe. And it was completely insane, but he's kind of... That's happened to the Dutch national team. Like, they've always been a, a solid team, like top four in Europe. But then we didn't get to play them in the final, unfortunately. But they went from like an average European teams to like, well, that's all. They won the, they won the tournament, I know, kind of by default. But like that was because of him. I mentioned the fact that you beat them by 24 in the groups about once a week. Worry, yeah, I, I know. I mean, I think we would have beaten them in the final realistically, um, but like, shout out to Mendel. Like he, he's transformed that, that entire team. He's, I when, we, when we played against him in the group game, like you said, I was sat on the bench and he had like a mismatch over Harry. And like, this is me from seeing him play at Canary. And I was like, I don't think he's a great mismatch shooter. I didn't think he was a great mismatch shooter. And he was just like, he knocked it down like clean, like super clean. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe it was just a kind of one-off. And then he did it again over Greg, like splash. I was like, all right, we should probably start switching on this mismatch now. And then he made yeah. another one. And then he drove on someone, I think like got an M1 on over one of our bigs. Like, damn, like he's yes. he's here. Like he's yeah. at one of the top floor fours right now. Yeah, he's great. He's really like obviously super skilled, but he's very, very switched on. Like he's just like a oh, yeah, intelligent, thoughtful man. And I think that kind of drives the improvement because he's very like, I don't know, he's he's like he's got a desire to get better and he's also like equipped to figure out how to do that. So yeah. He's good. I'd like to see him back right. in Spain though. Yeah, that would be fun. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Okay, last right. listener question. This is from a man you may know, Neil Pratt. Hello. Oh no. <laughs> Who is your favorite rebounding partner? <laughs> Well, my dad back in the day, man, my poor dad. I've literally had like re- like sessions where he's had like a broken thumb and he's still there like running around <laughs> oh getting God. rebounds with his other hand. Like the dedication from that man, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, my dad's, got, dad's the winner on that. But at the same time, 
like some of the stuff that Hajj does like is hilarious when oh, when Hajj turns up to training sessions and he's got like his full kit on it like basketball shoes like you know he's about to be like running around he's like imaginarily like boxing out and like throwing his elbows out so no one can touch the rebound even though no one's there yeah it's like, hilarious it's like the only coach that'll ever show up to a shooting set and work harder than the athlete <laughs> well without a doubt like I've, I've had well you would have known about James and and the IS, like I've had some shooting sessions, like he's genuinely like dripping in sweat at the end of it because he's just been, I don't even know, just legging it around and just like throwing dribble fakes. And like, it's not. Oh, it's amazing. Because that's like his working out. Like he's getting a bit older, obviously. And he's just like, that's how he keeps in shape. But I don't know. I don't know if you'll have heard about this, but we did just before we went to Tokyo, me, Greg, and Gaz shot for like two and a bit hours and he rebounded the whole time for all three wow. of us. And I was like, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna collapse. He's gonna pass out. Were you all in different baskets as well and he was doing like... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Um, last question. Right. Uh, you know, we have, we have the belt that we give out every weekend that there's games. There are no games anymore. Oh, the French Championship is on, but like... Doesn't whatever uh, <laughs> uh so our guests get to just give the belt out to whoever they feel like who gets the belt and why uh, uh david marie's he's without a doubt man he's got the most wins of anybody <laughs> just yeah he got the belt in a weekend that he got thrown out of a game <laughs> Legend. i mean i don't know it's tough actually i'd initially go with david marie's but then kyle's got to be in that in that conversation as well. The season he's had has been unbelievable. Gaz has been unbelievable this season as well. But I think I'll give it to David Marie just for the conditions of, I guess, the team and Azia was out. And then, I mean, we played you guys when Madiba played against Bilbao and Manu wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was just nuts. I've never seen him score the ball. No. Like in general, like genuinely. And that's like, I'm not even being disrespectful. Like, whenever we played against the Spanish national team or we played against Bilbao, he just does a lot of ball handling, like a real solid player to have on the court. But, meh. Like, you just, you if he shoots, he shoots, whatever. Just turn your back and get a rebound and you're playing in transition again. But, I don't know. I, I was just watching it. I was like a fan of basketball. Um, I remember before we played against you guys at our place, James, I went up to him and I was like, I'm genuinely like a fan of yours right now. Just, it, it's nuts, the stuff that he's doing. It's not, he's making threes and like, put some respect on his name. People still aren't jumping and we played against you guys. I keep saying we played against you guys, but in Copa del Rey, he made like four threes in a row and our coach is still telling us not to jump. I'm like, what is going on right now? They've just scored like 12 points in the last four offenses yeah. and we're still not going. But then his ability to like come off a pick and roll and just like, it's not even really a floater because he's, well, it, I guess it counts as technically as a floater. That he's just bank. throwing it. Yeah. yeah, that bank. I don't know how it <laughs> yeah. goes in. He's just launching it. Yeah. They're just pinging off it, coming off a pick and roll of bigs around him and still like finding assists as well. It was just insane the level that he managed to get to. I don't know if he's ever played like that in his career. And I mean, it'd be cool to see if he's able to continue doing that next season um, from a competitive kind of point of view. But yeah, he's had a ridiculous year. Well, second half of the season has been phenomenal unbelievable it's been so much fun to like go, just come along for the ride yeah. yeah he's he's been great but all right cool that's, I think awesome. that's the end of the questions well thanks so much man this is obviously going to be out as soon as the news of your joining amiab is public so we'll sit on this episode for as long as needs be um but thanks for coming on thanks for you know giving us the insight into why you're making this move and we really hope it works out for you man we're excited to watch next year cheers guys thank you very much
No problem. Cool. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back probably next week. I don't know when this comes out, so we'll be back the week after that. We'll be back uh, tomorrow because that's what we do now, apparently. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace.